mobilized and moving. Um, my grandfather is turning 90 today. How, how special is that? He's moving slower, but, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's moving, mobilized and moving. The reason for the two, we're actually going to speak on the, on the latter one, but I couldn't not add the mobilized because of what happened last week. Last week, we revealed our new name uh, as a congregation. We didn't plan it to actually fall on the celebration of Pentecost. We didn't plan that. It was one of those that like, Hey, wow, what a, what a golden nugget. It's like a little parcel that you open. It was like, surprise, uh, we get to move into our new season and we could celebrate the, the revealing of our new name actually on Pentecost celebration, celebration of what happened 2,000 odd years ago. And that in a big context was mobilized, which we celebrated last week, but it happened uh, when Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit. I'll tell you now why I say that. And because of the mobilized, we are moving. We're already moving. And I want to say that in a very specific way. Because we're part of something new, don't think that we're still trying to figure out how we're going to move into the new. We are already moving. We have been mobilized and we are moving. And the, the heart of this morning, like I said, is to help us understand that we need to move in a worshiping heart. We need to move in a worshiping uh, kind of perspective and a worldview of us worshiping God. And that's how church moves. That's really how church moves and that's how we're supposed to move. And to help us get into this mobilized and moving, here's a few airplane stories. And then I'm just going to use that as an illustration for you to, uh, I'm supposed to ground some stuff this morning, but I guess we're taking off um, in, a, in a specific way. Here's a waypoint. In the aviation world, um, we use waypoints. I, I guess it's not only in aviation, but it's very, very needed in aviation. To have a waypoint, which is the following, it's a point of reference that can be used for location and navigation. And the moment you think that you don't need a waypoint, and I'm not saying this is only waypoints. Jesus Christ was revealed to us in this, but it also gives us waypoints. The moment you think that you don't need waypoints anymore is that's when you get lost. So I grew up in George. I'm 32 now, so I'm not part of the Chokma group. Um, but I need the Chokma group, so please. Uh, I'm 32 now. We moved to George when I was seven. So I've stayed with 25, is my math okay, 25 years. And I grew up in Cape Town. I've been to Joburg, I think, five times. I th I've been to Durban once. Uh, my life is pretty much, yeah, I'm a garden route, Cape Townian person. So driving to Cape Town and back is the easiest thing ever. I mean, you go that way and you come this way. A lot of my family still stayed in Cape Town, so you just drive that way and you come this way. And the beach, if you go that way, is on your left and the mountains are on your right. And when you come back, the beach is on that side and the mountains are on this side. Can you get lost? No. No, if the mountains are behind you and you want to go to Cape Town, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Then I'm on my way to Carnarvon or Kimberley or whatever. And one day, um, still in my nearly said BC days, but in my flying days, I was a student building hours and I took... On the next slide, you'll see a little aircraft. That's not me. Uh, but I took one of those to Cape Town, and I got lost because of the following, arrogance and pride. I, I told myself, if I take off and I point my nose that way, I'll find Cape Town. As long as the ocean is on my left and the mountains are on my right, I won't get lost. 
Until air traffic control, sitting at 7,500 feet, somewhere between George and Cape Town, asked me, uh, I couldn't, couldn't remember what the call sign was, let's go ABC, which will be Alpha Bravo Charlie. Uh, Alpha Bravo Charlie, please confirm your position. And I was like, I don't know. And like, how can't you know? It's like, I don't know. I never followed the map. I never kept track of where I'm going. So I guess I'm lost. And it's really humiliating. Over frequency, with everybody hearing that that guy is lost, it's really, really humiliating. So that's why I brought in victory training to the aviation realms. Like if you're humiliated on frequency, go through victory training. Just to deal with your, deal with your shame. But um, we need reference points. And if the moment we think we don't need, uh, that's when we get lost. Uh, and worship is one of those reference points. So if you're flying one of those, your reference points are very visible. You're you flying quite low. And cockpit-wise, next slide, you, you see something like that. It's really basic. It's like a few analog buttons for some of you. It doesn't look that basic, but that's, that's really kind of a five-minute job. Um, then you get the hang of that. But then for this morning, so what's the difference between the first plane and, next slide, that plane? Both are flying, both need waypoint, both need navigation, both need thrust, both need lift, both need fuel. Both are going from George to Cape Town. Exactly the same. There's a height difference. There's an there's a, a upgrade difference. There's a systems difference. But both are flying. And that's what I want to help us understand this morning. We were here... And now we're here. It doesn't mean if we're not here anymore that we hear that now, now we're leaving some waypoints behind. Not at all. There's, there's, there's a new for us. But there's a continuation of a few things that we're going to still be doing. We still need to fly. We still need a few things to help us navigate. But how we're doing it is on the next slide. <laughs> Where's my tissue? It's like... <laughs> That's drooling quality. Uh, that's, that's, that's our upgrade. That's our upgrade. Not five minutes worth of, uh, of explanation. So um, here's, here's on the next slide. Here's the point that I want to make. Different aircraft, different capabilities, but both fly and navigate using reference points. We are in a new season. But there's a few reference points that I want to highlight for us this morning so that as we walk out of those doors, there's maybe a bit of clarity a bit of grounding, but don't think we're grounding. We're actually higher. We're better. We're new. We're upper class, if you will. But we're flying, and we're not getting lost because the Word of God is guiding us. He's speaking to us. The promises are yes and amen. He's giving us prophetic insight. We're going, and it's clear, and it's clear. So here's what happened last week as a celebration. Last week, we celebrated as being mobilized. And mobilize means to assemble and make ready for war duty, which is quite cool. But the second one I really like, uh, it says make something capable of movement. So the moment you mobilize, it doesn't mean that you're moving yet. You are capable of moving. So if we take an airplane again for an example, we've got the manufacturing um, process and it's the steel and the titanium and the, Rudy knows more about that stuff and you kind of you get all these metals together and you're building this plane and people can board the plane and you can even have a flight plan and you can have people trained in the, in the flight deck. 
No fuel, no movement. No fuel, no movement. That, that plane is not mobilized yet. It's not capable of moving until the fire hits, until the spark plugs start working and that whole ignition system starts. Okay, now we can go. And that's us as church. We have been mobilized by the Spirit. We are capable of moving. There's a capacity in us that God breathed into us by going, and here's what I want you to do. But before you go, I need to mobilize you. I need to make you capable of being church. And here's what he said in Luke 24. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. I want you to move, but... I need to mobilize you first, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You need to be mobilized before you can move. And Jesus has already mobilized his church. Next slide, Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in Acts 1 8, kind of brings the mobilizing and the moving together. You will receive power. I will mobilize you so that you can move. And he's already pointing to some waypoints. He's already pointing to some, what are those moves going to look like for the early church? If it's a little four-seater or if it's a 500-seater, if it's a 1,500 foot or if it's a 35,000 foot, here's how we're going to move. And allow me to show you uh, where your phase is, where your capacity is at. But you're going to be mobilized and you're going to be moving. So we have been mobilized. That's just a confirmation. Here's what's busy happening. We're moving. What does that mean? We're making progress. Yes, we're making progress. Develop in a particular manner or direction. We're moving. We're making progress. I love the second one. Go in a specified direction or manner and to actually change your position. From here, we, we were here. And now we're here. We've changed our position. But we're moving. And here's the point of moving. I love this quote. I'm going to put the quote right at the end. And this is all about worship. If you start talking, this is, that's moving. If you start talking, acting, and living radically for God, I love his little bit of sarcasm in here. He says, aka, just doing what Jesus commanded. If you love, if you start rather talking, acting, and living radically for God, aka just doing what Jesus commanded. It's amazing how many people immediately seek to caution and temper you. Funny though, no one seems to warn you about the cost of living apathetically or in half-hearted obedience to his commands. This is unspeakably more costly. I'm not going to tell you now, it's not me that made the quotes. I, I would love to give you, here's the quote and the book, but... A time will come. It is phenomenal how this man is writing about activating a church movement to worship. And he goes, just do what Jesus said you should do. 
And if people call that radical, awesome. I'd rather be radical than being half-hearted. And I love what he's saying about the just doing what Jesus commanded. Because in the society that we live, the radical 2,000 years ago and radical today is different. Radical today might be, I wake up, just for instance, I wake up at 5 a.m. to pray. You're, you're, you're radical. Uh, 2,000 years ago, hey, we haven't slept for three days. We've prayed. We've been praying for three days. Like, oh, that's radical. So just, just how, how society is shifting. And I love, that's why the brackets are there. Just do what Jesus commanded. Move as Jesus said we should move. Nothing to figure out. Very clear. Very clear. But the intricacies he's showing us. From here to here, he'll show us. But we're moving very clearly. How? We just do what Jesus commanded us to do. Right here. Right here. What might be new? Your flight deck. What might be new? The level that you're flying at. The speed at which you're flying at. Uh, now you've got space for three people in the flight deck, not one. That's new. But the moves, the foundational moves, stay exactly the same. Here's three moves. I just called it the three moves of the early church. And I was like, maybe this is move one, move two, move three. And then I thought, Rudy is way more qualified than me to dance because he's got more wisdom and um, experience in dancing. Because he's been, he's been longer here than me. I'm not going to invite him onto stage. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's look at three moves of the early church. We have been mobilized by the power of the Spirit. We are moving. And here's the first move of the early church. Acts 2 verse 1 to 4 and then verse 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That's the mobilizing moment. Here's the, here's the movement. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Dot, dot, dot. That's just verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So please read the verses 5 to, to 11 just for context. But it's basically all the people that heard these people praising God and all the, all the, all the different nationalities. And they mentioned the Egyptians and the, da, 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 the whole list of people. It's like, but I'm hearing... The praises of God in my own tongue. What was the first move of the early church on the next slide? The first thing they did when they were mobilized, they declared the wonders of God. First move. If you hear or if you hear, we declare the wonders of God. That's what we do when we fold with the Spirit. I'll give the flip side in a bit. And the reason why it's important for us is that we don't think that, okay, if as we're moving now in the new, we'll give so much clarity even to this. This brings immense clarity. Immense clarity. We declare God's wonders with our mouth. We will continue to declare God's wonders with our mouth. What might be different? We might do it in that area, that area, that area, that area, and that area. Because God decided to go, we're going into Botswana with Keshet. Are we declaring God's wonders? Yes. Is it new? Yes. It's new territory. What do we do? We declare God's wonders. Why? Because we were mobilized as church by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a new school that's opening, us, opening up for us. What are we going to do? 
We're going to declare the wonders of God. What's new? New territory. New doors that opened up. New, new ground that we can gain. What do we do as church? We declare the wonders of God. Anything to figure out? Nothing to figure out. Nothing to figure out. We declare His wonders. Number two, Acts 2, 36 and 38. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter giving the first sermon. 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. The first move of the church was to declare His wonders. A few verses later, we actually see the second move. And again, it starts with a W. Witness of the gospel of Jesus. Second move of the church. If you're flying at 1,500 feet or at 35,000 feet, what are we going to do? We're going to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus. If we have an analog cockpit or if all is glass, what are we doing? We are witnesses of the gospel of Jesus. Negotiable? Not negotiable. What's new? We're going to do it in Botswana. We're going to do it in Namibia. We're going to do it in a new school. We're going to do it in our family if we haven't done it yet. I'm going to go to my neighbor and be a witness of the gospel of Jesus. All new places that we, that, we, that we infiltrate, all new things and gaining ground moments that we have. It's new because we haven't had it. But now it's opening up because God's given us clarity. He's given us a, a fresh vision. We mobilize the fresh. And the moves that we do, He's given us right here. Because that's what He told us to do. And the height difference and the speed difference and the, the glass cockpit difference, that's what He gave us. But that's what we're going to do. Be a witness of the gospel of Jesus. And the third move, and I'll give the opposite, is the following. Acts 2, 42, verse 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. First move of the church was we declare God's wonders. Second move was we witnesses. Third move, a lifestyle of worship. The church lived a life of worship. That's what I love, what peer massage is in nearly every single Sunday. Did you come to church? No. We are the church. Because it's truly a move that we need to make sure that we're getting right constantly. We shouldn't assume that we have a lifestyle of worship. If there's nothing that crept in that might have crippled our lives of worship and made it to segments and compartments of worship rather than a lifestyle of worship. That verse 42 to 47 gives a beautiful picture. That, that is what church is all about. Two, two Saturdays ago, I'm so glad for other people that disciple other people. Because I didn't have to get into Harold's Bay's, I nearly said baptism pool, tidal pool. <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't have to get into Harold's Bay's tidal pool two Saturday mornings ago where a matric girl decided to give her life to Christ and get baptized. Uh, where's Griselda? 
um, Griselda got into the water because someone uh, witnessed to her and journeyed with her, and she did that with this young girl. And I was like, Lord, thank you for disciples. Griselda, you, you go baptize. You go baptize. I'll come and, like Rudy, I'll come and pray. Uh, we'll, pitch for the, we'll pitch for the snacks at victory training. We'll, we'll pray. And um, we'll worship with the food, and you'll worship with the, with the rest. But it was, a, it was such a, a beautiful church moment. I got home and I told Inga about the moment. It was like, oh, it, was, it was deep. It was rich. Uh, it, was, it was truly an anointed Saturday morning. And there were about, quickly, about 12, 15 odd people. And um, Griselle had something prepared. I had something prepared. And I really thought, and I'm just being honest, cool, I'll say what I want to say. And Griselle will say what she's going to say. Cool, baptized, let's get this done. An hour later, I left. Every single young girl or mom or granny started praying, started giving word, started giving encouragement. And then the dad loved it. He landed that whole moment by blessing his daughter, by praying for his daughter, got baptized, went home. I was like, what a full morning. What a full morning. Of what? Worship. Was there any music? No. What was the heart? We want to be devoted to the Word of God. I want to live my life as a devotion to Him. There's family here to witness. There's friends here to witness. There's community here to witness. I'm dead, and I'm alive in Christ. And I think the sin froze off. And then she resurrected in a, in a new life. The sister, the sister brought two flasks of hot chocolate. Not for me and for Griselda. For, oh, Griselda got one of them because she, uh, she was the brave one. Here's what happens if we do not apply wonders of God, witnessing the gospel, and living a life of worship. Because as we move, like I told you, I was ignorant and arrogant and full of pride, and I actually got lost. Like, literally, I got lost. That was a few years ago. Here's what happens if we miss these moves. If the moving marks, next slide... These moving marks, these waypoints, if you will, of the early church can be seen as declaring God's wonders, being a witness of the gospel, living a life of worship. What do we think Satan wants to do? First few chapters of Acts, mobilized by the power of God to move as church. We get these, and there's, there's more gold for us to mine out. There's three, if that's what he wants us to do, what do you think the enemy wants to keep us busy with? Just as a, not being ignorant as we go. Next slide. Satan makes you think you are not mobilized or he prohibits you of moving through various strategies because you have been mobilized. And as a local congregation, I want to edify again, we are moving. Whatever is coming against your word, your promise, that is not sinking into your inner man. It's not the truth. God's word is the truth. We are moving. Satan wants you to think that we're not, we're not moving, we're not mobilized. We're moving. Here's what he does. Declaring God's wonders, which is our first move, as the Holy Spirit empowers us, that turns to gossip, strife, bickering, backstabbing, an untamed tongue, or self-edification. Instead of using the filling of the Spirit and opening our mouth to declare His Word, it becomes that whole list. That I don't even want to read again because I really get nauseous because it's really not lacquer. Like, why? Why that? If we are mobilized and moving to declare his wonders. 
No ignorance as we move. Secondly, what does he try and do? Being a witness of the gospel of Jesus turns to comfort zone, self-centeredness, fear, intimidation. The, the Chokma group, you guys will remember, there was an old song, it's all about you, Jesus, and all this is for you. Last few years, we've rewritten that song. And we sing it now, it's all about me, Jesus, and all you can do for me. Because I'm very comfortable on the couch. <laughs> that didn't go as I planned, but anyways. Instead of, by the power of the Spirit, having a focus on Christ with the love of God, engaging someone's world, I go, it's uncomfortable, self-centered, doesn't suit me, I'm scared, or I'm very intimidated. Where in the setting of a gospel-empowered, mobilizing moment, there's no space for intimidation, no fear, no self-centeredness. As you read the first few chapters of Acts, um, there was absolutely no, no, no space for any of that. They just went, we are witnesses of Jesus and the resurrection. He filled us with the Spirit. This is obvious. Let's go. It ain't complicated at all. But what's the strategy of the enemy? To make us think that we are not mobilized. To place those thoughts in our minds. But I don't have all the answers. I want to I wanna, I wanna be vulnerable. Slightly sarcastic. I also don't have all the answers. Rudy also doesn't have all the answers. But we know the one that has all the answers. Not we. We. It's not a special thing. It's not a full-time ministry thing. He gave us the Spirit. So that we can, that's First Corinthians 1, 2, 3. So that we can know Him, we can engage people, and we can just make that link. Not me coming into your arm ministry now. I'm just placing your hands in the hand of Christ, and I'm helping you to hear His voice. No fear, no intimidation, no comfort zone. And again, society is making it all about us. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't suit my alarm. My alarm only goes up at seven. Change it to five o'clock. I don't know. Um, so comfy. So so comfy. Let's not be ignorant. Lastly, a life of worship and devotion turns to performance, entertainment, programs, isolation, and pride. That's what the enemy wants to That Acts 2.42, that they were devoted, they're all together, they had this amazing church community that goes to performance, entertainment, programs, isolation, pride, which very quickly turns your eyes exactly off the main focus, which is Christ. Exactly of the main focus, which is exactly what the enemy wants. And that line is very, very sometimes very fine. Like, is it, is it here or is it there? Like, is, is rehearsing the song five times, is that going into performance mode or is, is it pure worship? And I'm, I, I need to deal with that. And as long as I can stand in the mirror, face to face, and we do it often, like, Lord, here's why we do what we do. Here's why I want to sing that song. Here's why we're going to do it in that way. I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit sifts me to the very core. That the worship that comes out is truly glorifying Him. Because that's what He meant for us to have. That's what He meant for us to live. A life of worship. Not perform. Not entertain. No program. It doesn't mean that we can have a schedule. But it's not program driven. The program doesn't uphold. Christ upholds. And the program just helps us to maybe have some, some order. Because order is important. But, we're not going to end there. But, 
So that was the ignorance part. But if we do declare God's wonders and we are witnesses and, um, and we live a worship lifestyle, as we move, clarity as we move, the result of that, the mobilized and the movement, here's the result. And I just took the B portion out of Acts and it says the following. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the result of what? I declare His wonders, witness of the gospel, and we live a life of worship. And the Lord added to their number. Matthew 16. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the revelation of who Christ is, not Peter himself, the revelation that Peter had on that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus will build his church. What are our moves? We declare his wonders. We're witnesses of the gospel. Uh, we live a life of worship. Jesus will build his church. He said he will. That means he will. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the authority that we can walk with as church. So here's four questions as we, as we land today. Uh, it was going to be a big drop because the Lord upgraded us. Four questions is to help us unpack this so that we can walk out those doors worshiping. How different... Sorry, next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Yeah. How different would our households be? See, I didn't say how your household will be. How our households will be. I need to face this as well. How different would our households be if we intentionally create a kingdom culture of declaring God's wonders? Because that's our first move as church. How different would our households be if we intentionally create a kingdom culture of declaring God's wonders? What was the opposite? The bickering, the strife, the backstabbing. So intentionally to, hey, we're not going to speak about this. Because it's truly not uplifting. It's truly not building church. It's truly not uh, increasing our faith. It's not praying in the Spirit and kind of being built up in our most holy faith. It's gossip. And it's backstabbing. And it's strife. And it breaks down relationships. And it brings in disunity. And it, that's our first move. Let's create a culture of we speak about the wonders of God. Second question for us. How exciting would our daily lives be if we step out with love, kindness, power, and authority as we expect to pray for people and be a witness of the gospel? It's like, awesome. Who am I going to engage now in checkers? Who am I going to engage now in the coffee shop? Who, who's going to walk into my classroom? Maybe you're a teacher. Who's going to walk into my classroom and they just need that eye contact? And if I have their eye contact, it's like... I need to see you at break time. We need, to, we, need to, we need to have a moment. Whatever the case might be. How exciting would that be? Instead of just waiting until someone finally comes to you to say, Hey, I've seen this. Is, you, you're quite different. You're quite different. Like, Lord Jesus, thank you. It took me 20 years that someone comes to me to say that they can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. Instead of me going like, Hey, I've got something with you that I want to share. Because you also need the Jesus that came and rescued my soul from darkness. How exciting. How exciting. Thirdly, what generational legacy are we building as we live a life of worship with God and church community? What's that legacy that we're living? What, what do they see? What do the next generation see? And then fourthly, on the next slide, 
What impact will we have if we step into our work environment, aware of His presence, I'll explain that now, thermometer, then bringing that atmosphere of faith into our workplaces in the midst of adversity. Because the church is into a broken world. We sent, we mobilized, we're moving into a broken world. Thermometer and thermostat. Thermometer on your phone. No, I don't think thermometers are on our phones. Uh, maybe, maybe the Apple. But um, generally, uh, thermometer, cool, it's, it's 30 degrees outside. Great. But the thermometer doesn't do anything about that. A thermostat changes the temperature of the atmosphere, though. And we need to be both. You walk into your office, you walk into your classroom, you walk into your home, and you go, thermometer, Holy Spirit, something, someone, someone's hurting in here. Someone's broken. Oh, no, no, I need to leave. Someone's broken. No, 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 no. Jesus in me, the hope of glory. Great. Who is it that we can step into their world to be the thermostat, to change their brokenness into wholeness because of Christ in us? Jesus stepped into the boat. He was with them. He didn't just, hey, I'm standing on the side. <laughs> yeah. He stepped into the boat in the moment of hardship, and he brought the change. Thermometers and thermostats. That's who we are. That's who we are. So I'm going to end with our, with our quote. Here's how we move. If you start talking, acting, and living radically for God, just doing what Jesus commanded, it's amazing how many people immediately seek to caution and temper you. Funny though, no one seems to warn you about the cost of living apathetically or in a half-hearted obedience to his commands. This is unspeakably more costly. As a local church, we are living radically for God. We are moving. Because together we do what He said we should do, and we're empowered by His Spirit. The new things, as the new things come up, we'll share the new things. New schools, new grounds. Uh, I loved how, how, how Pierre and I and Rudy, we had a conversation the week, and one of the new things is, hey, we don't want to leave uh, unspoken things um, not, not talked about. So a new thing might be, hey, let's, let's engage it quickly. Quickly let's engage it. Quickly let's sort it out. It might be a, a new way. That's what we mean with new. But there's a few moves that we cannot miss. Declaring His wonders, being witnesses, and living lives of worship. Why? Because He mobilized us as church.